Well, y'all, we're in this series right now, um, Gifts of God. And, and if you're visiting with us this morning, whether it's in person or online, I just want to say we welcome you. We love you. Let me give a shout out real quick. Tracy and Johnny in Idaho, we love you. Come on, y'all turn to the camera and tell them we love them. Your family, we love you guys. We miss you guys. For those of you that don't know, they actually flew down from Idaho to come get baptized at our church, and it was insane. It was way cool. Uh, but if you're watching on, we had, a, Andrew showed me the other day a picture of the United States, and it had everywhere, all of the states that the Clawson family, that people watch online. Y'all, we have a huge online following, online family. Could y'all give a shout out? Show them some love this morning. Yes. So no matter whether you are in the U.S., whether you're in a southern state or a northern state or a different country, we love you guys. Thank you for attending our church. Uh, so we're in this series called The Gifts of God. Everybody say The Gifts of God. The first two weeks was on the gifts of the Father. Right now, we're in the gifts of the Son, and then we're going to end it with the gifts of the Holy Spirit. The gifts of the Son, we're talking about six different gifts. Five of them are in our foundational scripture for this month. How many of you guys have done your memory verse for this month? Oh, wow, two. That's not good. Okay, I'm going to give a public... Correction. I'm just kidding. I'm not actually. Uh, listen, I encourage you, y'all, do your memory verse. Come on, we're better than the kids are. If kids can do memory verses, adults can do memory verses. Amen? Listen, David said, I've hidden your word that in my heart that I might not sin against God. You guys are a bunch of sinners. That was partially a joke. Uh, partially not. Uh, but listen, memorize your memory verse. Do it in the, in the Connect booth. Next week is the last week to do this memory verse. And here's the memory verse. It's Ephesians chapter 4, verses 11 and 12. It says, now these are the gifts that Christ gave to the church, the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the pastors, and the teachers. Their responsibility is to equip God's people to do his work and build up the church the body of Christ. Okay, so for the last three weeks, first I preached about prophets, then I preached about evangelists, then, uh, no, pr apostles, and then prophets, and then evangelists was last week. And uh, this week, I'm gonna be talking about pastors, hence my shirt. And if you can't see it, it says, I'm a pastor. Don't look so surprised. <laughs> yeah, I get that a lot. And so, uh, and so we're talking about pastors today, and I've invited a friend to come and help me minister to you today, and he's going to kick us off. So would you give it up this morning for Stephen Courtney as he comes? Good morning, Clawson. What's happening? Okay, all right, you're doing good. It's so good to see you guys. It's an honor to be here. I'm just so honored that Josh would ask me to, to jump in and tag team with him this morning. We love you. We love Colossa, man. I got a lot of close friends that attend here, and it's a beautiful place, and God is doing some incredible things here at Colossa, and I just love hearing and seeing all the great things that are happening, and so we love you guys and excited, excited to be here this morning. And so as Pastor Josh said, we're going to talk about pastors this morning, and so I'm excited. Uh, you've talked about apostles, you've talked about prophets, and evangelists today is pastors. So what and who is a pastor anyway? Some of you may be, you know, you're new to church, or maybe you've been in church your whole life. I don't know, but you might be thinking, pastors, don't they just, you know, play golf all week, and then they just show up on Sundays, and they share a few scriptures. Uh, some of you may think they just, they, they hide away and pray all week long, and that's all they do, <clears throat> you know, but... Uh, there's a lot more to it than that. And it is truly a calling, and I'm just excited to get to, to share with Josh on that this morning. So let's get, give you just kind of a working definition here just a little bit, okay? Pastors are those who are God, whose God-given ministry gifts and calling cause them to devote themselves to oversee, that's, a, that's an important word there, oversee and to care for the spiritual needs of the local congregation like Clausen. Right? So that's what pastors do. They're called by God to do that, and they had the gift set. God's gifted them with that gift to shepherd, to, to care for the people of the church. The office of the pastor, right, and the Bible exists to ensure the church is spiritually mature, healthy, and whole, and perfect. No, not perfect. <laughs> really, Josh is like, hey, man, I wish yeah, it was perfect. Right? There, there, there's no perfect church, right? But God's called this church and the church to be healthy, to be whole. And, and, the, and the gift of pastor helps shepherd that, care for that, and lead that, right? Without that mentality, 
The church will be full of broken, hurting, vulnerable people and ineffective in the mission that God has given this church, right? And that's not what God designed. He wants you to be effective, effective, and you guys are, man. I just love seeing all the different things that are happening through this community, this body of Christ. And so the word pastor is taken from a, a metaphor of, I just said it a second ago, this idea of shepherding, right? Sheep and a shepherd, this idea of shepherding. The spiritual shepherd is a pastor, right? Ephesians chapter 4, 11 and 12, which you guys have been look, diving into, mentions that God, again, gave some Christian leaders to be apostles, some to be prophets, some to be evangelists, and some to be pastors. And in fact, if you study some other versions of the scripture, it even uses the word shepherd over pastor. And so there's this thread, this, this metaphor that goes through all throughout scripture. And the word shepherd comes from this Greek word called poimen. Everybody say poimen. Man, y'all sound educated today. And um, this word poimen, it appears 17 times alone in the New Testament, right? And it literally means shepherd and figuratively means pastor, right? So, so this is what God did. God picked sheep to describe us. Really? Like, come on, God, right? Uh, he, he picked sheep to describe us. I mean, he could have used a majestic eagle, Amen, right? I mean, come on. He could have used a, a, a powerful lion or a tiger to describe the people of his church. No, he used a sheep. He could have used a horse, a beautiful horse. I don't know. Uh, you know, really. But he used sheep. He used this picture. I think I got a picture here for you. Yeah, he used that, right? <laughs> that's how he describes you. And that's how he describes, guess what, me too, right? And, and that's us. We are the sheep. He is the good shepherd, and he gives the gift of pastors to what? To shepherd the sheep, right? And Josh, Pastor Josh, watch out. The sheep bite every once in a while, bro. Um, and um, Pastor Kevin, you know that too. But uh, so he uses the sheep. Of all these animals, he uses the sheep. And I don't know about you, but my, my mindset of a sheep just through the years is that they're really not that smart, um, that they're a little bit smelly and messy, that they can't really do anything on their own, that they get themselves in a lot of trouble. In fact, you've probably seen this video, but I want to show you a quick video that describes me just this week, um, maybe even you just this week. But check out this, this, this description of a sheep. <laughs> And that, yes, she just stood up and said, that's me. Yes, me too. Me too, babe. Me too. And uh, here's the deal. That's who Jesus described. That's who God described us as. I'm sorry, guys. It's not eagles. It's not a beautiful lion, a horse. It's, it's that. But, uh, you know, those poor sheep, they get a bad rap. Actually, I, last night, I kind of looked it up, and I'm like, are they really that dirty, smelly, and that not smart, and that kind of thing? And I think they kind of get a bad rap. And um, uh, they're actually smarter than we think they are. But the reality is, throughout Scripture, we see God using this metaphor of the shepherd and the sheep uh, all throughout, from Old Testament to New Testament. Abraham, Moses, David, you know those names? Um, at one time, they were a shepherd, Right? And so you see this all through. And then you go to the New Testament, and we see Jesus spend a lot of time. Look at the, uh, John, chapter, John chapter 10. You'll see Jesus talking a lot about being a, a great shepherd to the sheep, right? And we see this all throughout. We see Peter talk about it. And then, of course, Paul right here in Ephesians chapter 4. And so for my short time here at the beginning, I just want to kind of set this up and talk about what are the functions of a pastor shepherd, this gift that God has given the church, the people that he's called to be pastors, to be shepherds of God's flock, right? And so this is not exhaustive. There's a lot of them, but here's just a few that I want to share with you. Some functions of a shepherding pastor. Number one, they've got to know the sheep, right? They've got to know the sheep. In other words, the pastor shepherd has to know the flock that they're leading, that they're caring for, right? John 10, 14, Jesus says this, I am the good shepherd. I know my sheep. And my sheep know me just as the Father knows me. I know the Father and I lay down my life for the sheep. 
See, from the moment that we are born, every single one of us, guys, we, 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 we want meaningful relationships. We crave relationship. We, we crave that. But in today's world, loneliness, depression, isolation, uh, all in this age of social media where there's the real me and the fake me, and most of us live through the fake me, um, it's become epidemic, epidemic levels of loneliness, depression, and isolation. And once again, God provides a beautiful model for us. And just as God uh, initiated a relationship with us, shepherds are to pursue the sheep that, and know them. Proverbs 27, 23, it says, be sure to know the condition of your flocks. Give careful attention to your herds. So what, is it, what does it mean to know the sheep? It means to truly care for the flock, right? The old saying is so, so true that people don't know how much you know. They don't care about how much you know until they know how much you truly care for them. And it's so evident, too, in the, in the church that, that uh, the, the flock needs to know that the pastor shepherd cares and knows the sheep. And I can tell you right now, your pastor is that pastor. He loves you. He knows you. I love walking, watching him just walk around. And, and, and hug your necks and, and say hi to so many different people. I love that, right? You guys are blessed. We must know who our flock is as pastors and know the details of their life enough to shepherd them. Peter reminds us that each sheep is entrusted to your care as a shepherd. It's a heavy responsibility. We will be held accountable, right, for how we shepherd each person as pastors, right? Those of us called to that. Number two, you got to feed the sheep. Right? Not only know the sheep, but feed the sheep. Provision right, is the second need met by the shepherd. Sheep always depend on that shepherd. Right, They need to know how to get to the food. Right? They need to know where the green pastures are at so they can feed on that. What does the shepherd feed them? Well, in this context, as a shepherding pastor, Matthew 4.14 tells us that it is the living, powerful word of God. And that is what we are to feed to the sheep, right? And so thankful for Josh who, who gets up here. Guess what? Hey, Sunday comes every seven days. I don't know if y'all knew that. Um, it just never stops. And, and Josh has to come up with a message every single week, but it's led by God, and it truly is the word of God. And that's how, as, as his calling is on his life and any other pastor shepherd, it is to feed the sheep. Shepherds are to feed the whole counsel of God's word, not just the bits and pieces that feel good, right? Um, but all of it. It is the word that will nourish and encourage the sheep. Jeremiah 3.15, then I will give you shepherds after my own heart who will lead you with knowledge and understanding. By feeding the sheep, it's through teaching, right? And you're gonna talk about teaching and teachers as well, but pastors guide the flock to green pastures where they can eat that healthy spiritual food, right? Through teaching, pastors take the flock to those clean and calm waters so they can get a satisfying drink from the Lord. It's through teaching that the pastor warns and protects the flock against false ideas, against damaging and destruction, uh, destructive philosophies, and, and wolves in sheep's clothing that want to kill and destroy this flock. It needs a pastor shepherd to do that. And then number three, lead the sheep. They've got to lead the sheep, right? The psalmist says, then he led out his own, uh, uh, his own people like a sheep and guided them in the wilderness like a flock. Psalm 78, 52. Jesus is the good shepherd, and good shepherds lead the same way. I love Psalm 23. It gives us a beautiful description. You probably read that a time or two, but it gives us a beautiful description of our heavenly father and, and how he's the good, great shepherd. Um, but it also gives us a model as pastor shepherds on how we should shepherd and lead the flock. People face decisions and crossroads all the time, don't we? Shepherds show them the right path to take, right? How, how do they lead? They lead not by lording it over them, right? That's so important, not lording it over them. Shepherds always lead the flock from the front. There's times when they get in the middle. There's times when they come to the side and this side and from the back to get a different uh, a picture of how things are going and what's going on to care and to know the sheep. But they lead from the front. They never drive from behind. They stay ahead, they show the way, and they protect but not too far ahead to where they have no uh, idea of what the, the, the flock truly needs and gets away from what it means to truly care for them. Shepherds are told to be an example to the flock in 1 Peter 1.3. So leading begins with Christ-like character. Failure here will sabotage a pastor shepherd's ministry, right? It must be clear 
that they know and they understand Christ and they burn for him. I love the passion of, of Pastor Josh and so many other pastors that I get to know. That's so vital. And um, in many ways, Josh, while he's got the calling of pastor, right, he's also the lead follower. He's following Christ. This is God's church. This is Christ's church. And he's put Josh in a position to lead this particular flock. And so what he's doing is he's, he's keeping his eyes on Jesus. And he's the lead follower. And you can trust to follow that pastor because he's following Jesus. A good shepherd leads from the overflow of a devotion to Jesus and the Holy Spirit's leading. Now, that means pastors, again, are the lead followers I'm describing. And this, this, they, they prioritize being with the Lord over doing for the Lord. And I'll tell you right now, as a pastor myself for 20 plus years, we get that out of whack sometimes. We get so busy doing when we gotta, gotta remember the most important part is being with the Lord before doing for the Lord. Have to keep that in the right order. A good shepherd cannot lead and take the sheep somewhere they have not been before spiritually. Unless a pastor shepherd truly learns to abide in Jesus, they will not effectively lead the sheep. So pray for your pastor as he seeks and abides in Jesus to know which way he's supposed to go and to lead this congregation that God has entrusted into his leadership. Amen? Number four, protect the sheep. They got to protect the sheep, right? Sheep need safety from wolves, Acts 20, 29. Sometimes wolves can, from, can, can come from outside the church. Sometimes wolves can come from within the church. And both require strong leadership. Shepherds are commanded to be on alert, Acts 22, 31. They're told in Matthew 7, 15, watch out for false prophets. They come to you in sheep's clothing, but inwardly they are ferocious wolves. So shepherds have a responsibility to address false doctrines, distortions of truth, and false unbiblical teachings. Sheep are vulnerable. We're, we're, we all are vulnerable creatures, right? And we can easily wander away, and, and, and which is why protection is critical for shepherds. Pastors are to be like David and, and fight the lion and the bear at times. And then they're also to be like the Apostle Paul and address false doctrine and sin in the church sometimes. And it's a great, heavy responsibility that is on their shoulders. Oftentimes, a shepherd would lead his flock into a crease in the rocks. I love this idea. So that they, why did they do this? They would lead them into the crease of a rock uh, for the evening, and then the shepherd would lay himself down in front and across that front of that crease, that opening. Why would he do that? It's so that the, the flock was protected on all sides, right? From the crease and the rocks on both sides, and then also in front of them by laying down in front of it. That way, the shepherd could protect the sheep from any predators who wanted to get in and could keep uh, the stray sheep from wandering out, amen? And he literally laid himself down to protect the sheep, and the sheep could lie down and rest. Again, a heavy, heavy weight, a heavy responsibility. And number five, the final function I wanna share with you is gather the sheep, right? Luke 15, four, Jesus gives the parable of the lost sheep, right? I love this. Suppose one of you has 100 sheep and loses one of them. Does he not leave the 99 in the open country? and go after the lost sheep until he finds it, amen? If a sheep goes astray, a good shepherd is gonna make every attempt to go after it. God gathers his people. He leaves the 99 for the one. If I have three kids, and if we're at Disney World and I lose one of my kids, who is the priority? The two that are standing there with me or the one that's lost, right? It's the one that's lost, right? And it's the same idea. It's the same concept as pastor shepherds, right? It's about the lost. And God has given shepherds important tools that are to be used. Psalm 23 reminds us of this again. Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. The rod are not to beat the sheep. Amen, okay, Josh? They're not to beat the sheep. Um, they bite, but you, you, you can't beat the sheep with the rod and the staff. Um, the rod and the staff, these tools, they were to bring great comfort to the sheep. The shepherd with his rod would tap on each head of the sheep to get a good count at the end of every day to make sure he hadn't lost one, right? Uh, the shepherd wanted to make sure that they were all accounted for. If one was missing, he would go and find it. The staff it was a long stick with a hook on the end of it, right? 
And so if a sheep would wander away or got himself in trouble, which I know I do, amen, kind of like that video a lot of the times, that shepherd would be able to lift the sheep out with that hook, right? That's what those were for. And God gives pastor shepherds a lot of these same types of gifts to serve the body of Christ. David, following his great shepherd, found comfort in knowing that, and I believe that we can find great comfort in that when we know God's put a pastor, a shepherd in place that's gonna love and care and know and protect and feed that congregation, amen? Amen. All right, it's yours, Pastor Josh. All right, now it's my turn. Y'all ready? Y'all, it's really, really, really important for us to understand, just like with apostle, prophet, evangelist, it's important for us to understand the role of a pastor. So you say, well, I'm not a pastor. It's still important for you to understand the role of a pastor. Somebody say amen. Amen. You know why? Because if somebody gives you a gift, you need to know how it works. And Jesus gave you the gift. Some of y'all never thought of me as a gift before. (laughs) But Jesus gave me to you as a gift. Somebody say amen. And it's important for you to understand the role of a pastor because it's important for you to also be able to understand who is a good pastor and who is a bad pastor. Now, now this is what I'm going to spend all of my time talking about. The difference between the characteristics of a good pastor and a bad pastor. Now, before I dive in, I just want to say that I'm sure that there are people that are in this room and I don't want you to raise your hand that you've been hurt before by a pastor. You've been hurt by a bad pastor. You've been hurt by a pastor that said that they were from God and God called them into the ministry and that was not actually a reality. You've been hurt before by somebody that was called by God into pastorship and he got involved or she got involved with a group of people that taught them how to hurt their sheep instead of how to help their sheep. And I just want you to know from the bottom of my heart, if you've been hurt by a pastor, that is not an example of God. It's not an example of Jesus. And it's not an example of his church. And that is not the gift that God gave to the church. And if you've been hurt by a pastor before, I sincerely want to apologize on behalf of God and his church. Because that's not the type of pastor that Jesus is. And that's not the type of pastor that Jesus calls. Somebody say amen. So thinking along these lines, I would like for us to dive into four different characteristics that I want to look at a good pastor versus a bad pastor. So if you're taking notes, number one is this, and Stephen covered this just a little bit, bad pastors lord over their people while good pastors serve their people. Can I just say we don't need a bunch of lords using their authority to be the authoritarian over people. We already have a Lord. His name is Jesus. He didn't do that to us and pastors should never do that to us. And when we have a pastor that is using his authority to make us feel like if we're not going under his will, then we're out of God's will, that's a bad pastor. Amen? No, no, no. Jesus called pastors to serve the church. First Peter chapter five, verses two and three. This is what it says to pastors. Care for the flock that God has entrusted you with. Watch over it willingly, not grudgingly, not for what you will get out of it, but because you are eager to serve God. You don't care for people so that they will give you something. You care for people because God called you to serve him by serving people. And then number three, it says, verse three, it says, don't lord over it. Don't lord over the people assigned to your care, but lead them by your good example. A bad pastor lords over their people. A good pastor spends their time serving their people. You want to know how to tell the best pastor in the world? It ain't me. (laughs) Here's how you tell the best, best pastor in the world. When you see him giving his life to serve and love and help his people, that's a dang good pastor. The best pastor is not, hey, I am the pastor of this church. Hey, I'm the Lord over this place. Hey, you should come under my authority. No, no, no. The best pastor says, I'm going to serve you. I'm going to take out the trash. I'm going to be by your side. I'm going to help you get out of drugs. I'm going to help you with whatever it is. That is the kind of pastor that God calls. (laughs) 
Number two in your notes, bad pastors are hired hands and good pastors protect their people. And he covered this a little bit too. John chapter 10, verses 11 through 13, Jesus said, I am the good shepherd. Can I just say, there's not actually another good shepherd. (laughs) Like all other pastors mess up. Amen. How many of y'all have messed up? Okay, listen, there's not a perfect pastor besides Jesus. And so we do need to have some grace there too because all pastors besides Jesus mess up. Okay, I am the good shepherd, he says. The good shepherd sacrifices his life for the sheep. A hired hand will run when he sees a wolf coming. He will abandon the sheep because they don't belong to him. He isn't their shepherd. And so the wolf attacks and scatters the flock. The hired hand runs away because he's working only for the money and doesn't really care about the sheep. Did you know in the American church that a pastor typically does not stay at a church for more than four years? Did y'all know that? Four years. Now stay with me. In the AG, it's actually worse. Some of y'all don't know we're Assemblies of God. In the Assemblies of God, it's like three years. Listen, how many of y'all have been with me for at least three years? Four years. Okay, so some of y'all, I've been pastor here for seven years. It took me three to four years just to get 50% of y'all to start trusting me. The other 50% I'm still working on. And so for us to only say, for a pastor to only stay in a place for, for three to four years, you cannot begin to gain the trust of the sheep in three to four years. If you're going to pastor a group of people, you got to be there with the people. You got you, you to serve those people. Somebody say amen. amen. And the way that you do that, sometimes that takes time. I'll never forget the very first time I, I, I senior pastor. I was 25 years old. It was a, a little church in on Alaska, Texas. That is not Alaska, Texas. That is on Alaska, uh, Texas. Or it's not Alaska. It's on Alaska, Texas. And so anytime you say, well, I actually pastor in Alaska, everybody's eyes get big. Alaska? No, no, no. On Alaska. It's not even close. And so, uh, so listen, I pastored this small church and uh, I'll never forget. I was 25 years old. I go in and there was these two older gentlemen that come up to me uh, on my, the week that I got voted in. They come up to me and they said to me, no offense, Josh, but we're not going to call you pastor. And I said, okay. And they said, um, Brother Wilson, who's also still attending our church, he's our pastor. He's been our pastor for 17 years. He has put in the time. He shepherded us well. We're going to call him pastor, and we're going to call you Josh. And I said, well, that's okay, because my name's Josh. <laughs> and, uh, and so for two years, these guys called me Josh. And they said to me, he earned the right. You did not earn the right. If you ever earn the right, maybe we'll call you pastor. I'll never forget the day that I resigned because I was coming back home to Clawson, uh, those two guys came up to me and said, hey, Pastor Josh. And I looked at them with big eyes because I never thought that was coming. And they said, we just want you to know you did a good job. You, you, you served your church well. You fed the church well. You cared for the church well. And Brother Wilson's still our pastor, but we're going to call you pastor because you did a good job. And you know how much that meant to me? Like that, that was a big deal for two guys to come and say, we ain't going to call you pastor. And then they called me pastor. Listen, a good pastor is there for the sheep. A good pastor gives their life, he said, to serve the sheep. Um, also, one of the reasons that Jesus says here that uh, they're about the money is because so many pastors are using the church a lot like the business industry uses the business. And, and here's what I mean. They'll take a church so that, you know, you get out of college, you go take a church because they're going to pay me some money. And, and so they take a church and then they're, they're actually not thinking about the church that they're at. They're thinking about how to move to the next church, how to get to the bigger church. And so, so many pastors, you know why in the AG, we got three years with a pastor because so many pastors are not thinking about the sheep they're thinking about getting the next big paycheck, getting to the next church. If I can get to the, if I can do good at this church and build a reputation and put my online ministry on so they can see me preach and I can do a good job, then somebody else will want me at a bigger church and I'll get a bigger paycheck. And so many pastors are hired hands. And they're not thinking and they're not waiting and they're not listening for the Spirit of God to say, I've called you to that group of people so that you can shepherd that group of people. 
No, they're, 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 they're just running around making a paycheck. That is not, I don't care how talented you are or how good you can preach. That's a bad pastor. You know why? Because every time they leave a group of sheep, that sheep scatters. Somebody say that's a bad pastor. And a good pastor serves their sheep. They're there for their sheep. Number three, bad pastors give into the fear of man while good pastors lead with the fear of God. Now, I had to throw this one in just because I see this more today than I've ever seen it in my life. And here's what I mean. There is so much pressure on a pastor to give into the woke agenda to give into the, you know, don't say that homosexuality is a sin or don't say that abortion's wrong or don't say that LG, you know, all the, you know, you know what I'm saying. And so there's so much pressure that we don't actually, we don't actually have to walk according to the scriptures anymore. If we can, if we can say things and kind of twist things to make it not so hard on people, then we'll get more people. And that's what bad shepherds do. Bad shepherds given to the fear of people. Listen, we should not fear people because we got a God that we have to take into account every, every way that we lead and we have to lead with the fear of God. Proverbs chapter nine, verse 10 says, the fear of the Lord is the foundation of wisdom. Matthew chapter 10 and verse 28 says, don't be afraid of those who want to kill your body. They cannot touch your soul. Fear only God who can destroy both soul and body in hell. And listen, if you got problems and you got issues, I got problems and I got issues too. But I'm going to be real and I'm going to speak truth to you because I'm your shepherd. And here's truth. I cannot walk in my sin and expect to follow the Lord. I can get forgiveness. I can move out of my sin. But I cannot be a follower of Jesus at the same time that I'm, a, I'm an alcoholic. I cannot be a follower of Jesus at the same time that I'm living in and okay with the homosexual lifestyle. I cannot be a follower of Jesus at the same time that I'm living in something that I know is sin and I know God has called me to turn away from and I choose to do it anyway. That's, I'm going to be real with you, shepherding. That's what I do. That's wrong. That's not a follower of Christ. You can struggle. You can make mistakes. But you cannot be okay with walking in that. Not according to the word of God. So, bad pastors listen to people. Good pastors listen to God. Last one, number four. Oh, we got plenty of time. Bad pastors build their kingdom and good pastors build his kingdom. Pastors that use the church to build a business to make them wealthy, and I know lots of them, instead of building a hospital for hurting people to come and find Jesus. Yo, that's important. A good pastor's job, as Stephen said, is to oversee God's people according to Acts 20, 28. Oversee literally means care for the people. My job, as he shared with you, is to feed you and to lead you. And so let me, let me just share with you. I will feed you the word of God. I'm not going to feed you my opinion. I'm not going to feed you a milked down version of the word of God. I'm not going to feed you things to make you happy. I'm going to feed you things to make you healthy. Amen. And so my job is to feed you. Somebody say amen. amen. And then secondly, my job is to lead you. My job is to lead you. The senior pastor of a church sets and protects the vision of where God is calling us to go and the values that we have as a church. And can I be a little vulnerable with you? I will mess up sometimes. I will probably lead us in ways that you're going to think I'm nuts sometimes. I'll mess up. You know why I'll mess up? Because I'm not perfect. I may not always get it right, even though some of you think that I'm right most of the time. I'm just, I'm just being real with you. I'm human, just like you're human. You don't always get it right. I may not always get it right, but I will promise you that I will do my best to lead you 
to the place that God is calling us to go. I promise you that I will do my best to be led by the Holy Spirit of God, and I will do my absolute best to listen as God leads me so that I can lead you. My job is to feed, and my job is to lead, and I take that job very seriously. Your job is to follow as I lead. Help me when I'm wrong. Don't, don't cuss me. Help me <laughs> when I'm wrong. Help me to move forward. We're going to close this thing out with a little interview with me and Stephen. And then we're going we're gonna to do things a little bit differently at the end of service this morning. Stephen, come on. I have a couple of questions. So Stephen has moved out of the role of pastor and he's, well, not technically out of the role of pastor, the role that he was pastoring and he's moved into a role where he is now shepherding shepherds. And so I, I'm, I'm still trying to understand that a little bit. And so that's why I've asked him to come up. Uh, Stephen, question number one, what is Standing Stone and what do you guys provide for pastors? Yeah, so Standing Stone Ministry was started in 2002. There was a, a couple named Jim and Debbie Hogan that lived out in California. And God told them to sell almost everything they had and go build a beautiful place on the Navajo River in Colorado with a specific uh, assignment to bring out pastors and couples that were struggling, that were just beat up, that were wounded, that were just going through difficult things. And so they were obedient and they started this place, they built this place and they started bringing out pastors that they just, and it wasn't hard to find them. The more just in relationship, the more they started sharing what they were doing, more and more pastors were coming out to this place and they just hosted them. They just loved on them and cared for them and shepherded these shepherds. And uh, what started as that quickly turned into now today, all these years later, there are 200 plus of us, what we call field shepherds and retreat shepherds. And uh, we serve 3,000 plus ministers and pastor leaders around the world, really. And so what we do is we basically just provide a free, confidential, trusted relationship with pastors. Um, and so as a field shepherd, uh, what I'm doing is I'm just in relationship with pastors. I reach out to them, I take them to coffee, take them to lunch, and we begin a friendship and relationship where that pastor can just be real and, 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 and be honest that they're struggling or they're exhausted. Uh, it might be couples sometimes times. And so it's just a great vision that, you know, started off with just one couple uh, turned into this, this huge, awesome ministry that's happening all across the country, across denominations. And uh, it's just a beautiful, beautiful ministry. So how, how did you get called into that? So it's, it's been in my heart. I've been in church ministry for over 20 years, been a youth pastor, uh, served in France as a missionary, uh, helped start an international English-speaking church over there with a team of people. Then I was a lead pastor, a senior pastor for two years in my hometown, and uh, sp spent some time out in California, and then I've been here in Lufkin for eight years. And so I've worn lots of different hats in ministry, but the common thread was through the years, God has just continually given me and my wife a heart for pastors. And, and honestly, man, uh, when I was a lead pastor, like yourself for two years in my hometown of Beaumont, Texas. I did it for two years and it was the hardest thing I'd ever done. <laughs> you know, I mean, I just got beat up. I got chewed up a little bit and spit out. And uh, I was there for two years thinking I was going to be there forever. I thought I was going to be this successful pastor, whatever that looks like. And my kids were going to grow up there. And I remember resigning and trying to figure out what am I gonna do to take care of my family. I worked at FedEx Freight in the mornings, uh, got up real early, and in the afternoons I went to this plant in Silsby, north of Beaumont, and my job was to pick up trash. And so one week I was a pastor, the next week I was picking up trash around a plant and just crying and screaming at God saying, what happened? What did I do? And I felt like a failure, and I wasn't. You know, God had still done some great things over those two years, but I needed I needed rest, I needed to be healthy and whole. Why, because I was still called. Yeah. And so I had people that invested in me and I just remember saying, you know what God, uh, pastors are gonna go through this. They're gonna go through difficult moments, maybe not like mine, but something similar and just hard times. And I wanna walk with them, you know? And so it's just grown over the last few years and about two years ago, we just started investigating different ministries and found Standing Stone and fell in love with it, felt like that's what the Lord has called us to do. And so I stepped off my position at Timber Creek uh, last October, and, uh, and we're living here in Lufkin. My wife's still on staff, but uh, um, we're gonna live here, and we're gonna work with, with 
tons of pastors That's and cool. just making sure that they feel healthy and whole so that they can live out the calling on their life. So you know from experience the sheep bite. Yes, sir. They do. <laughs> they do bite. <laughs> hey, so, so just, just question. Um, we have a, a big, huge, big facility. I've got lots of deacons. I've got pastors on staff with me. Mm-hmm. Why is there a need to have a shepherd of shepherds? Um, you know, don't they have deacons that they can talk to and, and things like that? Can you share yeah, what's the need there? Absolutely. Um, I don't think this is the case at Clawson. Uh, I think you guys have probably a healthy lay leadership of deacons and people that, that that's huge, man. You guys support and lift your pastor and walk with him and provide accountability. Um, but there's a lot of pastors out there, unfortunately, that while they may have a deacon team, uh, they may have a staff, uh, they may be bivocationally all by themselves with just a few deacons. Um, they just, as pastors, and this, you know, this mantle of leadership that you wear, sometimes you just don't think you can be human. You don't think that you can be vulnerable enough to say, I'm struggling too. I'm exhausted. I haven't taken my wife on a vacation in 10 years. I can't afford to take my family away to get some rest. And, and so sometimes they just need someone that's on the outside that, that, that can just be somebody that's gonna walk with them and just coach them, encourage them, and literally care for them and shepherd them just like the pastor does for the congregation. We feel called to just walk with pastors and let them be themselves. And if their marriage is struggling, we wanna help them and walk with them. And, um, and so that's, you know, that's basically what, what we're doing. That's very cool. Yeah, very absolutely. Cool. Uh, last question. Yeah, give it up. Thank you. Last question, as a church, it, maybe we have people that are sitting out there that they're hearing you. In fact, could you share, before you answer this question, what is the statistic, if you know it, on pastors that are quitting the mm, ministry? Yeah. Um, and, then, and then after that, the question is, say we're hearing, or us as a church, how could we partner with you? How could we partner with you to make sure that pastors in our community are healthy? Yeah. Uh, Absolutely. So uh, some of the statistics, what probably one of the most glaring to me, honestly, is that 42% of pastors and ministry leaders across denominations, not just the assemblies of God, um, so certain denominations, it's higher and lower, but 42% across denominations, they're not just resigning from their church position, they're walking away from their calling completely. They're gonna go and do, start a business, sell cars, do whatever, be a te- you know, whatever they wanna do, when they're walking away from their calling. And so for me, you know, about six years ago, doing some work at Timber Creek, I was in a room by myself just doing some work and I felt like the Lord had me read 1 Kings 19, where Elijah, the prophet Elijah is on the run. If you read the chapter before that, you read about the prophets of Baal and you you read how God did the incredible uh, story. I mean, just read it, it's incredible. And you would think that Elijah would never doubt God after that, but yet he does, he's exhausted. And he runs for his life because Jezebel's threatening him. He runs as far as he can run away out into the desert, and then God shows up. And God provides him this juniper tree, right? And, and underneath that juniper tree, uh, juniper tree, he provides him rest and refreshment, <laughs> gives him wise counsel, and what does he do next? He, he helps him feel significant again. And then what does he do? He goes back out into ministry. And God says, Stephen, that's what I want you to do for pastors. And so that's my heart is to see that pastors and and pastor couples and and staff ministry leaders are healthy and whole to live out that calling because they're still called. Even if they screw up, because we do, we're human, right? They're still called. Is there restoration? Yeah, there needs to be maybe, but but they're still called. I mean, I had lunch with a guy the other day that is no longer in ministry because 30 years ago, he messed up and two men sat across the table from him and said, we love you, but you will never, pointing to their finger in his face, you will never be in ministry again because you screwed up. And now he's still serving in ministry, not in vocational ministry, but God has restored his marriage and he's doing great, but it's just a shame, you know? So uh, that's, uh, I think I'm answering your question, but that's, you know, that's the statistic that's out there because it's, it's, it's challenging. It's, it's a heavy mantle of leadership and, and, and weight, but God has called people to be pastors and they need people in their corner that's gonna help them stay healthy and whole. Not that's perfect, good. but healthy and whole. That's good. Y'all give it up for Stephen so, one more time. Yeah. Right, hang out right here. And I have, I'll mention this real quick. Yeah, yeah, yeah. out in the foyer, man, Josh asked, how could you help us? Number one, pray for us. 
um, because there's just pastors that need this ministry so bad. In fact, I'm working with about four or five right now that are walking through very difficult situations. And so please pray with us. Um, we, we, uh, we operate on, on people giving. And so churches, individuals, if God were to lead you, if you hear this, this ministry and God would lead you to support us financially, that would allow us to continue to do what we do. Because again, the reason I'm raising funds is not to put money in my pocket. It is to provide a free, trusted relationship with pastors that need it. Because most of them can't afford to uh, get somebody to help them or walk with them, counsel them, coach them, whatever it may be. And so uh, out in the foyer, there's some cards that look like this. Take one with you. And my phone number's on there. And if I can ever answer questions for you guys, please let me know. Cool, 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 so. cool. Hey, yes, yes. Hey, hang out. Um, listen, we wanted, I want to do something cool today. Um, there's two things. Don't leave, y'all. Don't leave. Give me, it's only 11.56. We got plenty of time. Uh, and so if you've ever served as a pastor or if you are currently serving as a pastor right now, uh, I want you to come stand up here at the front. And worship team, can you come join me on the stage? If you are serving as a pastor right now or you have served as a pastor in the past, would you step out and come to the front? Come on, come on, come on, come on, come on. Very cool. Very cool. In just a minute, we hit, first of all, we, uh, y'all, I'm a steak guy. Anybody like steak? I'm a steak guy, and to honor you, I thought I'm going to give you something that I like, so I'm going to give you a steak dinner, but then I'm going to ask Stephen to, uh, to speak over, and, and you guys are going to turn around and, and face Stephen and just speak over, and I don't know, I don't know if you feel like it would be, be good for some of the prayer partners to come up to you and just... Absolutely, yeah. Yeah, yeah, Hey, yeah. let's do this. Y'all, first of all, I want to honor you. I want to honor you. Whether you are serving in ministry at this very moment or whether you uh, have stepped away for a season or whatever that looks like, if you've pastored people, that's hard. You get bit. Sometimes you don't want to go back. And I want to honor you and I want to say thank you for what you've done for the kingdom of, of God. And then I'm going to turn over to Stephen. He's going to speak to you for just a second. He's going to pray over you. And don't move because I have an altar call for you guys too. So, well, guys, thank you for serving. Whether you're serving now or you've served in the past, um, God has called you. He has equipped you. Some of you may be standing here and you're, you're, you're questioning that. I don't know. Maybe you're questioning that or you have questioned that. Uh, God has called you. He has equipped you. And I'm so thankful that you're a part of a life-giving church that's going to lift your arms and, and be with you. And I would say that to the congregation. As I pray, I want you to pray with me, okay? Would you pray for these men and women that God has called to shepherd you, to shepherd others uh, by, by reaching out a hand towards them? There's this beautiful picture in Exodus where Moses, where the Israelites are battling the Amalekites. And, and Moses is up on this hillside. And as long as he lifted his staff, as long as he lifted his arms, the Israelites were winning. But when he got tired, amen, we get tired in this front row, right? We get exhausted. We get tired. The moment he began to lower his arms, the Amalekites would begin to take over and they would begin to win because they were outnumbering the Israelites. And so guess what happened? These two men came alongside Moses and they lifted his arms when he was tired so that he could keep his arms up, so he could keep that staff up, so they could keep that calling up. And it's the same for these men and women that are up here and they need you. They need you. They need you to lead groups so that you can help. There's a lot of people here. Josh Poe cannot, he cannot care individually for every single person in this room. These pastors cannot do that. So he has surrounded them with great staff pastors and staff help and elders and deacons, whoever it may be. But he's also called you to be group leaders and to work in the kids' ministry, to serve on the worship team, whatever it may be. But every time that you do that, you're helping know the sheep, care for the sheep, lead the sheep, feed the sheep in lots of different ways. Amen? And so let's pray for them, and let's let this be a symbol of the same thing that, that, that they did to lift Moses' arms. Let's, let's do that for these, these people this morning. Why don't you stand this morning, put a hand towards your, your staff and your pastor, and let's pray. God, thank you so much for every individual that's standing at the front of the stage. God, they're, 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 they're just people like, like the rest of us. There's nothing uh, uh, super special about them from the people that are behind them praying for them, God, except that you've called them. And God, you don't, you don't, you don't call the qualified. 
You qualify the called. They're probably a lot like me. And many times I've asked, God, are you sure? <laughs> are you sure you want me to do this? Are you sure you've called me to do this and you have this calling on my life? And the answer is yes, you have. You've called them. You've equipped them. And it doesn't matter if they're just getting started or they're right in their ministry journey, or maybe they're towards the end of it, God, and maybe they're not in full-time ministry any longer, God, but you're not done with them yet. And you know, as long as there's breath in their lungs, God, you have called them to continue to lead and guide and feed and care for the sheep. And so God, we just lift their arms today, God, and we say thank you for the calling that's on their life. And God, I just pray against the enemy. I pray against the voice of the enemy that's, that lies to them from time to time and says, you're not, qual you're, you're not good enough to do this. You're not as talented enough to do this. The one thing I love about Josh Pogue, God, this, this pastor is his authenticity. God, I know because for 20 years, I would compare myself to other pastors and other churches. And I would get so wrapped up in that. And it took me so long to just get comfortable in my own skin. And I love that about Josh. And I pray for every single person that's up here that they would just become comfortable, not only on their, in their skin, God, but the calling that you have put on their life. And God, I pray that this congregation would continue to grow and flourish because of the leadership at the front of this stage. God, that you would help them, God, like I said earlier, to focus on being with you more than doing for you. We get that so messed up. But God, let them learn the art of being with Jesus on a daily, weekly biz, uh, uh, you know, basis, Lord God, every single week, that they would abide in you and spend extravagant time with you, Jesus, so that they can feed the sheep more effectively, so that they can care for them more effectively. God, so they know what to say and when to say it to protect the sheep and when to step forward, God, and to be that protector when, the, when this congregation needs it. So God, we love you and we love these individuals, God, and we thank you for the calling that is on their life. And we pray, God, that they would just run after you and trust you as they step out in faith, as they follow you in the vision that you put for this church, because God, it's your church. And so God, lead them as they lead this congregation. In Jesus' name, amen. Come on, would you give it up for our pastors that are here? Man, would you bow your heads and close your eyes? I believe with all my heart, altar team, would you come up to the front? In just a minute, we're going to uh, we're gonna we're gonna worship with this song and with every head bowed and every eye closed. If you feel like the Lord has called you into ministry, this is a very specific type of altar call. This is very important to me because I believe that one of the things that the Lord has called me to do is to assist people as they're diving into ministry. And so I need to know that you're wanting to dive into ministry, that you feel called, whether that is to call to pastor, whether that is you're called to, uh, to prophet, whether that is you're called to teach. If you are called into the ministry, then we have a card in just a second. We, we wanna pray for you, we wanna bless you, and we want you to fill out this card so that we can help you to take next steps. It's very quick. There's like four things to write on it. Every head bowed and every eye closed. Our altar team's up at the front. They would like to pray for some direction over you as God is calling you into ministry. If, you are, if you're here today and you know the Lord is calling you, he's asking you to step out, or maybe you're here today, and like Miss Brenda shared two weeks ago, the Lord told her, hey, I want you to stop with the, the music ministry, and I want you to devote yourself to prayer. If God is challenging you, and pressing you, and pushing you to step into ministry, or he's stretching you into something that you've never done before, we want to pray for you, and we want to assist you with every head bowed and every eye closed. Would you step out and come right now? Come on, if you, if you have a different type of need and you need prayer, would you come right now? You know the Lord's calling you in the ministry. You know what it is, or maybe you're not even sure of what it is, or you're here and you need prayer this morning. Would you step out and come right now? And we're going to play this song.